The Hello Careers podcast explores a system developed to align business needs with education and training. It's proven to be invaluable for dozens of businesses and people looking to create a new life for themselves. We are firm believers that you must screen for attitude and train for aptitude. We're unpacking our insight to help you build partnerships and earn public support for an age-old way of learning a skill, apprenticeship. We'll address issues such as where there's a skills gap, is there an education and training gap? How do you respond to a tight labor market? What happens when the major employer pulls out of your community? If you're looking to create an apprenticeship program or curious about what to do next, this show could be just the thing you've been looking for. I'm your host, Mark Sylvester. Now, let's get started and talk with the team. Well, welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, in this series, we're talking to business leaders, and we're talking about that relationship we have. I've got Michael Specchiarla, who's the executive director of Slow Partners, and Dan Weeks, who's the business liaison with Slow Partners. And then joining us for this show is Dean Mitchell. And Dean, you're the lead developer at StreamGuys. Is that right? That's correct, yes. So what? What? tell me what your day's like. Well, uh we do a lot of like uh, platform building for different audio delivery devices or different audio delivery, uh, you know, procedures and workflows. So we do a lot of audio and video. And so I'll come in and uh, first things first to start off like today, Monday, go around, check out tickets, make sure all the systems are still up and running and then uh, get together with the team and plan out what we're going to do next. So like build a feature. Do we need to improve something? Do we need to go uh, look at look at uh, anything that's been going wrong in the next week? Anything we got to release? That kind of stuff. So you're mission critical with your clients, right? I, did I understand it right that NPR streams everything? All of their shows are through your platform. Yeah, not 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 everything they do, but we have a huge. We have a large majority of the NPR stations that do like live streaming. So if you were to go on and listen to KCBX today, they would be going through our infrastructure. And uh, how long have you been a part of the Slow Partners? Uh, maybe 10 months, 10, man, maybe more. Yeah, I don't know, it's been a while. Uh, we came down a little over a year and a half ago from Northern California and uh, contacted Dan from the Slow Hot House. And uh, we're looking for people to bring on board and he helped us out through the uh, apprenticeship program. So part of the success of this program is listening to partners and what they need. So tell me what that conversation was like. Now, I'm going to back up just a second. You said you came down from NoCal. So is this the headquarters of the company or is this a branch office? This is actually a branch office, the first one that we've opened up. So we come down from Arcata, California, uh, actually uh, right up there in uh, Humboldt County. And so this is the first branch office that we've actually opened up away from that. So just I'm curious why San Luis Obispo? Well, uh, actually, we had uh, one of the owner's daughters had gone down here to go to school and he had come down here and take the, you know, was looking around, wanted to be someplace where there's a lot of tech, you know, that we could uh, interact with as far as the community and as far as the support. Um, and so he was looking at different areas, San Diego, San Francisco, and uh San Luis Obispo kind of has the same type of uh, environment, ecosystem, like community that uh, Arcata does on a much bigger scale. You know, obviously, we, we, there's a lot more people here, but uh, kind of like the same, same philosophy, you know, of uh, kind of a nice rural area, you know, not too city. 
kind of shares the same, a lot of like green forward thinking. Um, and then the support of tech, you know, you know, the integration of tech and the support of the companies that uh, actually work in it. So there's a cultural fit for you as well. So oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm thinking because the person who's listening to this show is probably not from this area. They're somewhere in the state of California or somewhere maybe in the mid Midwest or back East. They're thinking about putting together an apprenticeship program. And we talk a lot about cultural fit and how you do that. So finding uh, the right businesses to meet with the apprentices is really important. So when you guys, Dan, when you, talk for the first time, how did you figure out what kind, specific kind of people he needed? I think they were pretty clear on what they needed. They just didn't even know who to ask. Right, because they're <laughs> they new, to, new to town. They're new. Yeah. They didn't have the relationship to go to the community college and ask the, the teacher, who are your ringers in your class? They, they were starting from ground zero, but they were really willing to whatever, what do you, what do you need me to do? And then I would give them access to, well, here's our next step of our process. And it was like feeding hungry fish. <laughs> but he said, who else do you have? And then it was, it was a really easy relationship because they were limited by how fast they grew this local pilot effort based on talent. And then they realized there was a lot of talent through our program because they have people on both the IT and the software testing, um, which are two different tracks, but they yes. have people in both. We met each other at just the right time. They were trying to grow their business and we were trying to develop our program. So it was really a match made in heaven for developing an apprenticeship program that we could tailor make something that they as a company could grow with, you know, by developing the talent. And we could really understand better what do these growing businesses need? You know, talent attracts business. Well, yeah, absolutely. business need talent. <laughs> yeah, that was a... Uh, uh, fortuitous to say the least. Uh, I couldn't believe our luck on that. Um, when we came down, you know, one of uh, the people that we picked up for the apprenticeship program, Ashley Smith, um, she is uh, the uh, um, software tester. God, I was thinking quality insurance, but yeah, she's our QA and uh, she's just excelling throughout that. And now she's going into the boot camp. She's going to be a full developer after this, after just like a year and a half. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now was that in her DNA, so to speak? Well, we were really trying to figure out how do we get someone from zero to hero into a software developer? And our working theory of uh, theory of action was somebody who works on a software testing quality assurance team for about a year, they'll know whether they want to be a developer and whether they've got the skills to be a developer. So Ashley is, you know, she's a, she's a good prototype of somebody who climbed the, the apprenticeship career ladder. Having run software for many, many years myself, going that revert, it's not, it's counterintuitive to say go from QA upstream to the coder, but that's, she's going to be such a great coder. Oh, absolutely. As yeah. a result, because yeah. she knows I can't leave it all for the QA guys. It's like she's going to write clean code, right? Yeah. Just know that. Yeah. Starting from that basis is a really nice, a really nice uh, place to begin the journey from. In fact, uh, one of the, one of the biggest philosophies of development right now is uh, what we call test-driven development. And that's where you write tests first, and then you write the code to pass those tests. And so starting with the you know, QA and learning about those tests, learning about you know, what it takes for code to pass these tests and to be a solid piece of code, and then moving on into writing that code, it kind of follows along that same uh, philosophy of writing tests first. 
So this proves why this relationship between the apprenticeship program and business being so almost genetically tied is important because what what you just said was this is the wave of the future. This is where it's going. And this idea that you're training both, had we even considered that someone who went through the QA program, the testing program, would be a natural fit for coding boot camp? Probably not in the beginning, but now as we see this rolling out, that's yet another thing to screen for. I think one of the big things that I learned because I wear a hat time to Cal Poly's new business incubator, initially my my relationship with Stream Guys is just here's what we do. And then the relationship that I had, and then we talked about apprenticeship. We didn't start with apprenticeship. Right. It was really, you're in the local business environment. Let's see how I might be able to help you with some of the infrastructure we had. Yeah, that was amazing. You were uh, a good uh portal, you know, having all that knowledge of all the companies here and what's possible and what's going on. So it was, it was a great, you know, we come into this little hot house. I think we just rolled up there just because we were interested in it and started talking. And uh, that just opened up so many paths into the community. Because I think the key thing, you didn't get a sales pitch on apprenticeship to start. Right. It was Absolutely. more, hey, here's, welcome to the area. Here's some of the resources. And then as I understood more what you needed, hey, we might be able to help you with some of that too. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. How many people are employed locally? Um, we have about nine right now. Growing yeah. to? Uh, you know, uh, we don't really have a limit. We, we just brought on two more developers, two more junior developers. Um, you know, when originally we came down here, it was just me and uh, one other person, an owner, uh, part. There's three owners of the company, and one of them came down here with us. So it was just two. And then we uh, gradually started growing out with the help of Dan and Mike, and we added uh, uh, a tech support from the computer specialist, uh, tech sure. specialist, yeah, and got two of them, and then we got Ashley, then we hired a couple, uh, two AM people, uh, account managers, and then uh, we brought on just recently in the past two months, two more junior developers. So part of the success of this program is that you're involved, you as the employer, uh, involved very early on in the apprentice's journey, if you will. So you get to see them right when they get started. And you went and pitched, right? Yes, there. I did. Tell, yeah. me, tell me about that pitch. That was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, but uh, it was the first time that I've ever done something like that. It got up there. Oh. The PowerPoint didn't work. It was uh, just me and one other, uh, one other developer that, or uh, system man at the time. And I basically just spoke for about 30 minutes about what Stream Guys does and then uh, answering questions as to, you know, anything that they had about what we did on a daily basis, what we did overall. Um, and it was real, uh, real fun time being able to interact with people that are just starting to uh, get in the field, you know wrapping up that education, that training part, and then, uh, you know, all the questions that they have about, hey, what do we, <laughs> what comes next? So uh, I just gave that presentation and then uh, answered the questions. And then um, they matched us up based on like a dating matchmaking game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like saying, we uh, put interest, you know, we labeled out, hey, these are the people that we're interested in bringing on. And then, you know, they ask, those people, what companies are you interested in being in? And then I guess the match is made through that. What, what happened is 
Dean's pitch was very low key. Dean's very humble, but he's incredibly technically competent. And so some of the people immediately caught on. I want to work with Dean. I want to work with someone who can teach me, who knows his stuff, but doesn't want to show off. Dean is. And so some of the people immediately said of all the companies, Stream Guys is the one because they got the culture of who the journeyman would be. How do you like being in that role of the journeyman apprentice role? Because you're you're yeah. working with them, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, I sit right next to uh, Ashley every day. Um, it's definitely a new role. Like I never, I, w- I would have never have thought, you know, being a developer, I would have been a journeyman. Those things would have never crossed my mind coming right. together. Um, but it, it's pretty amazing to be in that role, especially with what they've done here with the apprenticeship program, because you, you get people that are already not only trained, but they have, again, that attitude, the attitude of like, they want to be there. They're ready to work. They want to learn more about this stuff, you know? And sometimes when you bring people onto the team, you know, you, you assume a lot of risk, you know, maybe they get in there especially in tech, maybe they get in there and they're like, you know, I, I thought I wanted to code, but apparently not. Now, maybe even we've had this a couple of times where coding is fun or done as a hobby, or maybe they, uh, you know, are used to solo work, but then bring it into a structured coding environment. You know, it's, uh, it can be different. You know, it's a business. So, you you know, sometimes people just don't like that uh, environment. You know, there's many different environments that uh, could be set up and that they're used to. And so, you know, you, you run, you assume a lot of risk bringing people into that area. And with the, with the apprenticeship program, you already, you know, you've already mediated a huge amount of that. And so you get people that want to be there. Matchmaking for culture. You know, <laughs> yeah. that- the apprentice was able to see exactly what type of culture there was at Stream Guys, what kind of personalities they'd be dealing with on the team. And Stream Guys was able to see from a range of candidates who would be the best fit with that. And then you saw that as well, because you're also, as I know, when I say you, the you know, Dan and Michael, you're you're looking and talking to the instructors and you're trying to figure out kind of that's a very fluid process throughout those many, many weeks, right? I think um, we're getting data from multiple directions, which is great. Um, the instructor is going to have one frame of reference, but to a large degree, the instructor really knows how are they doing on an ongoing basis with the rest of their classmates. We asked the instructor, if you had one opening, who would you hire? If you had for this type of environment, who would you hire? Because they can put themselves in that shoes pretty quick, but... What Michael and I have learned, if we asked them at the beginning in the class, we would have got a different answer from the pre-apprenticeship. It's like right, eight weeks right. into it, I got a lot more data now than I had on that first day where I thought that person was really nice, but they really don't want to get their hands dirty. Yeah, you've got the, the qualitative <laughs> data, what you observe over a, a number of weeks of instruction um, based upon multiple perspectives, employer and the trainer. But then you have that quantitative data of did they pass the certification? Do they really have what it takes? So it's that combination there that really I think it, it that's what helps out with the with you know making sure that there it's not a huge risk for the employer. I really like the ones who actually didn't pass it the first time <laughs> and rose to the challenge as opposed uh, to gave up. Life's going to be like that all the time. Yep. 
Yeah, especially in tech. Um, so tell me, Dean, uh, part of the success of this program is that early interaction right from the very beginning and you start to step in. How many times did you drop in on classes? Because that's kind of a burden for you. It's only nine folks there. So like going and, and being actively involved. You know, not, I wasn't really that, uh, besides the presentation um, and then the interviews, I don't think I was actually. Yeah, our normal method is, is we have them give an overview independent of the interviews so that the apprentices can say, how much do I want to work at stream guys? And then separate from that is the interviews. We try not to have the interviews be the first time you've seen the company. And that's where the videos that we provide for the companies also help to give them a sense of what's this person's personality? How do they present themselves? But it's on the business's you know, own time that way. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, that was an amazing asset to have a uh, real help out. I'm not sure if you've seen the videos yet, but it was like this personal um, interview, you know, for each candidate and it was really well done and people just gave you a real good sense of who you were getting involved with. Who does that? No one does that. <laughs> we we do. just did it because we knew the <laughs> resume itself, their background isn't whatever we just trained them in, in general. And so what's interesting that we found from the employers is once you like someone's video, then you look at the resume and say, oh, they led, they led an auto parts manager. Right. And then it's like, wow, they also did that, but we didn't lead with the paper resume. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. It's much more powerful to see that in person. I mean, see them in person, talk about themselves than just get a piece of paper. So how, you know, you're, you're, you're a small crew here and not the headquarters. So it's a branch. What's the ongoing continuing education program for you guys? Well, um, you know, we, we would really like to be, a, we're trying to be a part where we bring them on in that real world apprenticeship uh, skill that you can uh, get that's out, yeah, just the education that you can get outside the classroom is invaluable. Absolutely. Because, you know, a lot of times and, you know, everybody that's ever gone to school will tell you this, it's nothing, you go out in the real world and it's not what school is generally like directed towards. You find a lot of new things, uh, a lot of say policies and practices that are demanded in school, but are not ever, never really followed in the real world. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good uh, training to give that in, you know, Ashley's, I'm just going to keep using her as an example, but Ashley, you know, you got training in the apprenticeship, apprenticeship program, and then she's been going through and helping us with the QA and looking, you know, she gets direct access to all our code. So uh, more than anything else, you know, there's an exposure there, you know, on a, on a daily basis, you know, and, uh, that exposure is what you really want. And then uh, now she's going to go start coding with the Full Stack Academy. And uh, I like to think that having that exposure on a daily basis has uh, given her an advantage in going into that. And so we want to bring those, we want to continue that pipeline of bringing people through, seeing what they're most interested in, and then also promoting the further education and professional development. And, uh, you know, hopefully then retain them after that as well. So going back to the risk piece and thinking of you being a, you know, a small crew, you add one person and ten, that's 10% of your workforce yes. <laughs> is, is a new person as, as opposed to one of the larger companies we've talked to where, you know, you can kind of absorb if it, if it doesn't work out. So the risk is actually higher for you. What, did you guys, you and the, the founders talk about that? 
Um, yes, we did. I mean, we did have uh, a lot of internal discussions, but the program down here, the apprenticeship program, I was saying, removed so much of that risk. I mean, no, no company's not risk averse, you know, so sure, uh, sure. we were really, you know, we really wanted to expand. So that was a driving motivation. And then the removal of uh, a huge amount of that risk was just like, that sealed the deal. That, that was it. For Dean, most of the people in his company are still in Humboldt. So when they hear apprenticeship down here, they, they might think building trades. It's like apprenticeship for tech? What's <laughs> right. that? So <laughs> right. they had to paint the picture about why the mothership, which is not here. It's it's up in Arcata. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we had to, we had to sell that to everybody so else tell, So tell me about that because, I mean, the reason we're even doing this at all is you guys, Dan and Michael, you guys have, you, there's a gnarly problem here that needs to be solved and it can only be solved through public-private educational partnerships. It's the only way it's going to work. And we're now, you know, well, not well down the road, but we're, we're not exactly a startup anymore and, and that's working. Yet still, we've got to convince the business community, right? We have the early adopters. We need to convince the business community. But then, as we've already discussed, you had to go back and talk to, you know, leadership to say, hey, this is really going to be great. What did you say to them to sell them? Well, it's right away when you start talking about uh, apprenticeship and, like, them already being trained, already being screened, that was, I mean, that was 75% of the sell right there. You know, you don't really have to, um, you don't really have to set up a training program for them to come in and already start um, from day one, you know, from zero. So having that come in there, especially with the screening of the attitude and, uh, you know, already a basis in there, plus the resources that Mike and Dan provided. I mean, you know, you, you have someone in the community working with you the whole time that you can go back to, that you can talk to, that you can rely on, you know, for that whole first part. Because I think it was like three months or something like that, right, where you go, okay, we'll uh, cover half the cost, you know. So you take out that, you immediately remove that financial um, worry. Not, and that's a huge incentive, you know. Anybody wants to save money. For the first cohort, you know, using the grant dollars to do a wage incentive to the employers was was a critical piece. Yeah. That what is our credibility? This is the first cohort, the first prototype. You've got to give some kind of a re, of reduction in price to offset that risk. Now we've got a relationship with these businesses. We have credibility. Now we have businesses talking to businesses about what the value of this program is. That's a different conversation now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why we're so happy to help out with this is because it's such a success, especially internally for us at Stream Guys, that, I mean, these guys made me look great. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, we got Ashley in there. She's doing fantastic. You know, uh, we got a couple, like I say, and a couple more that did the uh, computer specialist training. They're doing terrific as well. So let me talk a little bit more about Ashley's situation because I think it's really an example of what we want to do more with. Ashley had a background in the Navy and IT, she has a degree in anthropology from UCSB. We upskilled her to be a software tech, uh, but she learned automated software testing through Dean's help that she got more and more in the code as opposed to manual testing. She applies to get in the coding boot camp, and she did great 
um, she's going to do that. Now they're going to backfill for Ashley's position. We'll find someone to backfill for that software testing. And Ashley, when she finishes the coding bootcamp, wants to come back as one of their developers, not as one of their software testers. Right. That's the path we want to do. Right. Absolutely. Because she earned every step along the way. Every step along the way, she earned that next level of empowerment. Yeah. She did a fantastic job. Yeah. And, and then a couple of years from now, she'll have a, people, a, a couple of direct reports. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, she'll join a team, uh, our development teams, not very large, probably about five, six people. Um, and so we do a lot with, uh, a, a team that's not, you wouldn't expect it to be as small as it is. So having someone that's worked with the team already come rise up in the ranks and come join the development team as a developer and start contributing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly where we want to go. In fact, that's a philosophy that, Stream guys uh, promotes uh, very de very deeply in their culture is that we promote from within. So that backfill is exactly where we want to go with that. Is that she'll come in, she does a QA, and then as she progresses, we'll fill in that QA instead of filling in the developer job. And uh, from that point on, you know, she we don't have too many people that report directly to anybody. We're kind of uh, so small that it's uh, um, you. You know, there's not many divisions in there. Like, we're just a lot of developers. Um, but yeah, it, then she'll eventually have QA working with her as a developer. She'll, because of her experience, she's the alumni then in the group, right, who can provide the support. Hey, you know, and you're actually going to be able to fast track that next person. You're going to onboard them quicker, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially because, you know, Ashley brought so much to the company and she developed quite a bit of the department in there. Um that she'll be able, she'll be much more experienced and uh, expedite the training process for the person coming in next. And I think as soon as she hears you say all this, she's going to come looking for her bump. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the key thing um, that Ashley liked is with this concept of coding boot camps. Uh, there was two stages. Um, the first stage, if you think of it as a speedometer, going from like zero to twenty, is do you like software development? Are you good at it? So she did that. We did that over eight weeks, four nights a week. And then through that class, then they had to apply to do going from 20 miles an hour to 80 miles an hour. That's the boot camp she's going in. But what is amazing for Ashley is it's 17 weeks once you're in the boot camp. And then at the end of the boot camp, she can start apprenticeship with Stream Guys as a developer, getting mentored as a developer now, as opposed to a software tester. So let me see if I have this right. So her day is daytime. She's got her existing role. And then at night she goes. That was for the first stage. Yes. And then once she's in the boot camp, it is full immersion. So it's 40 hours a week doing that? 60. 60. So she's not working right now. During that, when she starts the boot camp, that is her total focus because we know yeah. the best way to learn is that's all you think about. So that's an interesting gap in your labor force yes uh but you know with the support that we're given here um you know with the hot house uh you know dan and mike and uh actually it's code slow with matt west you know it's it we're not it's gonna it's gonna we're gonna feel the effects of it but there's so much support and resources here that we're already in the process of filling that Got it. Got it. So that, so that again, it's that integration, the partnership. I mean, that's the thing I think that 
these people who are going to build these programs out in other counties around, this is why we're doing the show is to hear as it's going, what are the things you need to do? And this ongoing partnership and support for the business is really vital. I think part of what Dean's saying is Dean's taking the long view. He knows for 17 weeks, I've got to figure out it'll be hard. Yeah. So we'll, we'll figure out how to backfill for Ashley, but then Dean gets another developer. Yeah, right. And it's the person who's a total known quantity who didn't have those skills that without the boot camp, it might have been over two years where they're bits and pieces learning this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think in this industry, the average duration in tech, average duration of employment, someone will stay is about two years. It's a very low um, number for uh, how long you'll stay with a company. So um, at Stream Guys, we have. People, I've been with the company for eight and a half years. Um, so we do have a little more uh, people who uh, com are committed with the company. Um, and so that's what we want. That's what we want to provide, you know, is, you know, we're taking that long view. We're saying, you know, we want people to grow with the company. We want people to stay with the company. Um, and then even outside of that, you know, if it was to do that, you know, the average two-year duration, that's where the support from the community comes in too. So you can, can have that continual pipeline there to pull resources from to train up, and then if they do decide to leave after a short period of time, you have that bait. You you have that base there that you can continue to pull from. Yeah, pipeline shouldn't be churn and businesses poaching from each other for right. the next level of talent. What we've got really that speaks to the culture of San Luis Obispo is we have multiple employers cooperating together to pool risk and also to pool the training. So. Yeah, there's a little short-term issue that we're working out of how do we backfill these positions. But through the pre-apprenticeship boot camp that we just ran, there's some talent out there that mm. needs to have that mm. specialized training. And Dean will have access to that pool of talent. And we're working alongside Dean and Stream Guys to really customize what do those skills need to be for somebody who's a prospect that shows potential. And it could be specific to who that person is of what they really need to learn more about. Because in our pre-apprenticeship, it could be there's someone there that has 90% of what you want right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, having Ashley come on, you know, it's like um, Dan was saying that her degree is in anthropology. So it wasn't- It's a natural fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she actually took that. And in, in her interview, she uh, did mention that. She said that, uh, you know, one part of that is that she thinks that the- anthropology degree actually helped her out because she was uh, used to studying how people interact with other people or interact with uh, items in general, especially tech. So she was actually able to apply uh, something outside of tech uh, to something directly related to the job. And that's kind of what we really look for, you know, and again, going back to that attitude, but can you take concepts and apply them to the job? even if they're not tech related. Well, that's that lateral learning that we've talked about on the show, right? It's because you, by definition, are taking people who were not on this career path and presenting them this opportunity. And now they're completely changing. But what's, what's happening is they're becoming, you know, uh, uh, more income to the family, their head of household. So the economic development and their economic prospects are improved as a result. And you're kind of looking for that broad experience across a lot of different paths. And then do they have the aptitude, right, to go in and get some of the specific training? So the 
this is working as designed, right? Yes. Exactly yes. as we planned. I, I think it is. I think what I have to convince people in the coding boot camp pre-apprenticeship is the more diverse your background, the better. They think it's the negative as opposed to a positive. It really is a positive if you think about, I'm going to take all those lessons learned and I'm going to be tech. They think because their background's different, that's a, po- a negative. It's, it's really a positive. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of education still yeah. in front of us, right? There's education at the political level, at the administration level of the schools, at, you know, in the, uh, the business community, so, which is part of why we're doing the show, right? So that we've got a broad view of, of how to do it, how to build it. Businesses can listen to it. The, the apprentices can listen to it and get excited as well and start looking for apprentice programs. I want to talk about as because we are going to be here for a long time. Your company is going to be very successful. It's going to grow. We're going to be adding more people. Where do you see your feedback on how things are working comes back to this program so it just gets better for you? I'm just thinking of the net result for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, just constantly speaking with Mike and Dan, it, it, they, you know, stop in and check in at the office. They follow it up with uh, all the apprentices. I mean, they're continually involved in anything that we, anything that we've seen or need or had input on is readily listened to and integrated if it's possible. So, I mean, it's a real personal relationship as, you know, as the whole spectrum, everybody involved grows, you know, this apprentice, us as a company here and as the program picks up momentum and starts to uh, really spread up. So it's a, it's a direct feedback loop. You know, we have uh, conversations with them and, you know, so do the apprentices. I think it's relational, not transactional. Yeah. That's the difference. The relationship allows you to be proactive instead of reactive. And that right there is a real benefit to any company who's trying to be strategic and stay ahead in a very competitive industry. Yeah, you always want people that are looking forward, you know, not, you know, that's a perfect way to put it, not reactive, but you want to be, you want to be moving forward and being anticipating what's coming up next. And so that's, that's, I'm thinking of the person who's listening to this show, thinking about how do I put one of these in? What, what are the various things I'm going to need to do? It's not just build it, train them, and then they're gone. It's no, we're building long-term relationships with these companies it hit me while you were saying that, that we have a feedback loop with the employer. What has the feedback loop been from cohort one back to you guys? Have you gotten them all together to do a kind of a debrief or after action report, as we would call it in a different industry? We haven't done a formal action report like that, but it's that feedback loop we already have with the employer's supervisors and the apprentices on a monthly basis of looking at those work processes through a tool we have called work hands um, that allows us to see, are they making progress on those on the job training experiences that really has helped us more than anything in growing this program and getting ourselves to stage two. So that's an underlying infrastructure thing. I don't think we've talked about before, which is an ongoing. So is this for the first year you're yes, doing you have that? To doc, yes. You have to document what your work experiences are in the apprenticeship. And those are actually approved by the division of apprenticeship standards for California and for the federal. And so it's a matter of the apprentice we, we make it easy because we have a little, a simple app. 
works right. on your phone where they can document how many hours did they do in test-driven development, how many, t- how many hours did they do in documentation. Those would be specific to software testing. And then those are approved by the apprentice's supervisor. And then we're, we see on a monthly basis how, what progress they're making on those 2,008 hours of on-the-job training that they have to go through. You know, you know what I like about that is a lot of times, especially in tech companies, you're running so fast, you don't have a lot of time for development, right? You're just working. And so there's an employee review process, maybe once a year, like the best practice is that, but you know, you would hope that they're talking quarterly with people yet here you have the apprentice on monthly, every four weeks, that's pretty rapid. They're having to answer these questions and give some assessment, which I think is, and then uh, you're getting those reports. You're looking at that. Yeah. Ashley. Yep. Um, every month I go in and improve it and they are extensive. They are very comprehensive reports that outline the different divisions and areas that she should be working in. And she's very studious and filling them out. So you're getting a very detailed report about what's been going, you know, what, uh, the apprentice has been doing over the past month. Mark, I think that's a key difference between apprenticeship and internship. Yeah. Internship often is busy work to give visibility to the company and apprenticeship are work processes that are built over time and tracked. And those work processes in our case were tied to the certifications that they were getting in training. So whether it was on the IT side or the software testing side, the work processes directly reflected the skills that they tested for in the certification. I think it would be fascinating, just because I love data, um, it would be fascinating to look at that roll-up across cohort one, cohort two, and then how you're using, you're doing data-driven decisions based on what we're learning in the real world. And you're also, you're working with high performers. Like you've got a stack deck here, right? You're really working with good folks that, that, are helping this thing be successful. What I think I learned, you asked earlier what kind of impact it had on the apprentices. What really got me, we had a dinner for the apprentices and the significant other for the apprentices often walked up to me and said, they're a completely different person now. Wow, transformation. It really really got me because, and they kept saying, thank you. Mm. Where the apprentice himself, it's one thing to hear them to say thank you, but it's the closest person you don't know how much more confident this person is now. Because when you're underemployed, you start losing your confidence. Yeah, you do. That, that's an important piece because this started as a community project. Like we, there's a community issue here. And we said in the theme, you know, what happens when an industry leaves a community? And so looking at it holistically that way, we're dealing with families yep. and heads of household. And so that must be very satisfying. Was that unexpected, that first one? It was unexpected because I said, thank you. And then the person said it to me two additional times after that. Like, did you hear me? Do you get it, what I'm yeah, telling you here? Yeah, but the, that was when it really got me because it was it was changing someone's life, not yeah. just giving them a skill. Yeah, I've been a teacher for 20 years. And so I, that gratitude of students is something that has always kept me in the business, despite whatever you know lack of pay there is as a teacher. It was really even more rewarding to see it tied to a job and somebody not see it just as a job, but they've given an opportunity for a career. 
that that was really universally what, what you heard from each of the apprentices was this isn't just a job opportunity. I see my future. I see a career going forward here. And, and that's why we came up with the Hello Careers name. It's I'm saying hello to a career. And I'm saying goodbye to a dead-end job. Right. So it's it's that giving them hope. Yep. Right. That's the other part because that's, you know, it's like, no, there's no jobs. No, hold it. There are a bunch of jobs. And you have to, you have to do your part. Which the apprentices well, do. Well, it's not charity. I mean, we've no, said we've be. established that already. Cannot That's not be. what this is about. They've got to step up and show up and do all the work. Well, and it's highlighting also these new and emerging companies like Stream Guys. We love podcasts. People love listening to podcasts. What's going on in the back end right there? Right. Who, who are the technical skill? What are the technical skills to make that actually happen? And that's a fluid environment. It's changing. That tech is changing all the time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, when we were doing the uh, KCPX interview, I mentioned that it's about every three months that we're learning something new. Uh, The the development team and us, and we're constantly integrating new technology. So it's a fast-paced environment that you need to keep up with. And so if, you know, learning new things, adapting isn't really your style, then it's going to have a lot of difficulty. But people that are coming out of this program, I mean, obviously – you go three months or how long in the apprenticeship learning basically an entire new industry. And that's a real, you know, demonstration of the type of quality of people that are coming out of there. It's that people that can be fast paced, learn on their feet, and then actually contribute back from what they've integrated there. Well, what you've learned is how to be a great mentor, how to be a great journeyman, <laughs> right? You're doing that. That's working. And that's helping feedback information to this program to make it better. And that collectively, as other people are implementing this program in their community, we learn from the, you know, the pioneers of what you're doing. So thank you so much, Dean, for spending time with us on the show and, and give us a little inside look on that. Uh, Dan and Mike, I just, this, this bit of talking to the actual businesses really adds to the the whole show because we were that theoretical you know what's happening but then listening to them has been really spectacular if uh, someone wants to know more information about this they found the show through some some way how, how did they get a hold of you guys get a hold of us through hellocareers.org or slowpartners.org the contact links are right there you'll get dan or i and then, Dan, if, if someone in the business community wants to, like, talk about the business part of that, that's really where you're going to help as the business liaison, right? Yes, yes. No, I, I'd love to talk with them because what we did is I teach entrepreneurship at Cal Poly. We just did an entrepreneurship approach. We ran apprenticeship like an ed tech startup, but it's a mindset. You have to have that mindset to do it. I'd love to explain to people just run it like a tech startup. Tech startups now have a, have a process. Yeah, they and do. There's a process that we followed. And it's a lot of it is something that's replicable, whether it's a big city or a small city. Well, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for listening. How will you bring this system to your community and say hello to new careers and goodbye to low-wage jobs? For more episodes, visit hellocareers.org or send us a note to podcast at hellocareers.org. We'd love to hear from you with questions or success stories of how apprenticeship is working in your region. Till next time, I'm Mark Sylvester with Hello Careers.